0: This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome everyone to the Big Midweek Show.
1: What are you you doing?
0: Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's all... There we go. There's a kitten sound. We've had all our kitten sounds. It's the wrong kitten sound. Here. There we go. There's our kitten sound. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dear heavens. Okay. Oh, why is it so loud? Oh, just the chaos. What is this? No, no, no. I don't want to hold this.
1: <laughs> we have both kittens. Teddy, put her to the camera.
0: Everybody can see the cats in the camera.
1: <laughs> now give me that one. Okay. Are you
0: gonna growl some more? Are you happy now? <laughs> we don't hurt this cat. I don't know why she does this. She just doesn't like being held.
1: <laughs>
0: right, here, you take both cats, and then when they kill you, oh dear heavens this there's not a good transition but if you know a basketball player that can transition well pick them for your team in DraftKings Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple just pick your lineup. up Stand of the salary captains see your team stacks up against the competition. <sighs> Baseball fans, you've may have missed out on season long fantasy, so now's the time to get in all the daily stuff with DraftKings. Awesome. Download the DraftKings app now. Use your code THPN during sign up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. <laughs> Only a DraftKings minimum $5 deposit required. Oh, he was Ele- Eligibility restrictions apply. Please see DraftKings.com for details. What do you think, Midnight? (laughs) She's going to scratch your face is what she's going to do.
1: That's what she thinks.
0: The soda of the week is Diabolo's Sparkling French Lemonade Dragon Fruit Plum. We're going to try this soda.
1: It's going to smell absolutely terrible. Midnight wants to try it too. No, we're not giving the
0: cat sodas. (laughs) She is so angry with us now.
1: She hates everyone now.
0: Here you go. Smell it. It Smells
1: really good.
0: Smells delicious. Let's give it a go.
1: Oh, it's amazing. It's pretty good.
0: No. It it's kind of lightly oh, okay. sweet. That's good. It has a solid little soda. Okay. Ooh, a little at the top of it. Ooh la la, exotic French flavors inside. Does this taste French to you? No. No. Fair enough.
1: It tastes Spanish.
0: Why does it taste it taste Spanish?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright, fair enough.
1: Or Caribbean.
0: Or Caribbean.
1: <laughs> or Hawaii Islandy.
0: Hawaii islandy, <laughs> delightful.
1: <laughs> uh, less Caribbean, more Hawaii island.
0: More Hawaii islandy. Well, that's fair. I guess it could taste Hawaii islandy.
1: Definitely Hawaii island.
0: All right, sounds good. Get out. Yeah, you little craze. You, are you gonna take those cats with you? I'm
1: gonna, they want to come. you like to be free. Oh, I'm gonna make you free. And riot is inside a board game in a box.
0: What? (laughs) All right, here we go, folks. We got the show going tonight. Apparently, they're about to rustle a cat out of this room. Just the heart of professionalism, this show, folks. Right now, she is going into the closet. She has located the cat in a box. She has made the decision to just lift the whole box as opposed to trying to just pick the cat up out of it. Let's see how this goes. I think her strength has been sapped by all the laughter. She's now fallen over. The cat is still in the box. The cat seems to be totally comfortable. Attempt number two is underway. She wants me to be quiet. Oh, oh, she's trying to lift the cat. It all seems too heavy for her. The giggles are back now. Oh, she's got the whole box. She has the cat. Bring it over and show the camera. Bring it over and show the camera that you have a box and a cat. Do you have anything you want to say to our listeners, Lexi, in your moment of triumph?
1: This is a chonky cat.
0: It's a chonky cat. A chonky and loved cat. All right, get you and Chonkers out of here. little oh. chocolate chip. oh She's just... What are you doing? Just go. Now it's tipping over. Why is there things in the box? Just... Oh, my goodness. Just go. Take her. Okay, folks, now we're going to start talking about hockey, I guess. Maybe. Oh, dear heavens. You know what? The way the Jackets have played the last few weeks, we don't really need to talk about hockey, do we? Uh, we're going to look at the standings. They're bad. Jackets are in last place in the division. In the last 10, they are 1-8-1. and They've got three points in their last 10 games. From what I can tell, the only team that's close to that is the mighty, mighty New Jersey Devils who are 1-9 and in their last 10 games and who look like they could be overtaken by the Buffalo Sabres. It's incredible, folks. It is incredible. We get to play that fun game where we get to flip the standings upside down. The Blue Jackets are 27th in a league of 31 teams. According to Tankathon, right now they have the sixth best odds at number one overall at a seven point five percent chance. They got a fifteen point three percent chance at getting the top two. They are tied for the best for the longest losing streak in the league right now with pre- previously said New Jersey Devils, who are one and nine. It's <laughs> so bad. Oh my goodness. Anyway, Uh if I send the lottery on Tankathon right now, Blue Jackets somehow would move down, but that's just this simmed one. We'll see what happens. We're going to talk more about prospects as we move on here, folks, and throughout the off-season and going into the playoffs. It's just bad. I I would talk about the last two games the way I normally talk about them, but there's really nothing to talk about. Blue Jackets were bad, and they lost games. Um Actually became a little thing going around on Twitters today a little bit. Uh guy who writes some stuff about hockey opinions, Kent Wilson, just tweeted out nonchalantly. Just took a look at their numbers and wow, something has gone really, really wrong in Columbus this year. I wish I could have ignored that till April the 21st, but that's not how it worked out for me. Uh, Jay Fresh Hockey then retweeted it with you could say that and it is one of his graphs. Uh, Essentially the graph is meant to show you know if teams are have a higher expected goals for than against and there is not a single blue jacket this year who has a better expected goals for than against. It's that bad. That's where we are. Um Uh I think one of the more useful things I saw today was um yeah, someone shared uh I think it's the uh I think it's Michael Blake McCurdy's uh sh- maps and and the shot maps the way if you look at his maps again something we talk about it all the time when you're playing hockey when you're look evaluating where shots come from you want shots to come from the home plate area Again, how that works, go from the post to the goal, draw lines to the face-off dots, then from those face-off dots, draw the line to the top of the circle, and then connect them. Looks like home plate in baseball. The more shots from in there, the better. Now, what it is, is, it is my, it was, it's a bunch of his maps in 2017-18. Uh, the Blue Jackets had their most shots from kind of north of the right face-off circle, kind of at that point position and then mostly just right in front of the net. Just lots of shots. Uh, A heavier amount going into the left face-off circle, but a lot right in front. That was in 17 and 18. 18, 19. They've still got a decent amount of shots from right in front, but if you go out about five, you know, if you go out that seven, eight feet from the front of the net, it starts to get blue. Uh, Then that right face-off circle, there's quite a few in there. Top of that right face-off circle, a bunch there. In nineteen and twenty, they actually have less shots on goal from right in front of the net. If you go to the right, there's a few more. Then kind of this nebulous mid ice area, just above the face off dots, but kind of in the middle of the ice, there was more there. That was nineteen twenty. Then you get into twenty twenty one. The whole area in front of the goal is dark blue. They're getting less shots there than they are anywhere else in the ice. Um, top of the right face-off circle. They're getting more kind of that right face-off area a little bit. But the Blue Jackets are just uh, something that John Tortorella talked about when he, in the last few years, more and more, talked about winning the blue, uh, meaning that, that ice right in front of the goal, having people in there, getting shots from there. In the years John Tortorella has been here, we are getting less and less of that. So when you talk about a team losing its offensive efficiency – if all of a sudden you look at, okay, where are the shots coming from? If they're not coming from right in front of the goal and they keep moving further and further out from the goal, that's a problem. That is a major problem. To put this in just hard numbers, in seventeen eighteen, the Blue Jackets averaged 2.81 expected goals per 60. Talked about expected goals. Again, if you shoot a shot and it's got a 50% chance of going in, from your angle and normally where the shots come from it's a 0.5 goal expected goal. On per 60 they expected 0.28 expect 2.2.81 expected goals for per 60 minutes in 17 18 in 18 19 that went down to 2.6 19 20 down to 2.37 and then this year 2.01. The team is just not playing it, year over year, the offense has gotten worse on this team. And and it's the kind of thing that, you know, I don't pick on him too much on here, so I'll do it today. Uh, Bob McGilligot, I, I, I hear him talk sometimes, and he's a great play-by-play guy. He's a play-by-play guy. He's spectacular. I really enjoy his play-by-play. Uh, I honestly wouldn't mind him kind of taking over the play-by-play duties on the TV stuff. I think he's got a good emotion when he does it. He says goofy little catchphrases that make a lot of fun to hear. Uh, but his hockey opinions sometimes strike me as odd. I know if I say that, he'd be like, I've been around the game for years and I talked to the coach. So what are you talking about? But that's fine. He, I mean, he's a character and that's fine. Uh, he plays a fun role as the play-by-play guy. And that's all well and good. But, um, I, I mean, he acknowledged, I heard him do an interview with Allison Lucan. And and he kind of alluded to the fact that he doesn't think much of analytics. But, uh, you know, he's like, you know, you know, things are bad when I'm asking you what's wrong, because I don't blah, 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 believe in the analytics and the numbers. I think it's pretty obvious to people that when the offense is getting worse consistently over years, and, and I mean, the the thing we all saw this coming with was the power play. Once our Panarin was not on this team anymore, the power play was just bad and just kept getting worse. And it almost has a feeling of does John Tortorella know how to coach a team to have a better offense than than before? And you kind of got to answer no. I mean, there's just, I mean, considering you, know, they never fixed the power play. That would make you think, yeah, there's just overall issues with the offense on this team. So the offense has gotten steadily worse over the years. The other thing that's been a big problem for this team this year. And it's interesting because when you listen to the, I'll, I'll call it the common sense, the the common wisdom. I don't like the term common sense because a lot of times by the time something becomes common sense, it's actually a little bit outdated. Um, I mean, for I'm trying to think of things. like common sense would tell you that if you drop a that a um, you know, if you drop a, a feather and a bowling ball at the same time and, you know, that, that bowling balls would drop faster. But if you do it when there's no air around to make the to be wind resistance on the feather, they don't They drop at the same speed. They've done that experiment in zero gravity environments. Um, there's all sorts of things like that where you're like, well, this is common sense. But then when you kind of get into it, it's like, well, common sense is. Yeah. But but I'll call it, so I'll call it the common wisdom that the Blue Jackets goaltending is really the strength of this team. And there's a good number to look at on goaltending, which is goals saved above expected. And again, we're getting into that expected goals metric. Again, if you shoot a shot, that's 50% of the time goes in, it's 0.5 goals. So we'll start with the 18-19 season. And the 18-19 season... Uh, In the course of 62 games played, Sergei Bobrovsky, if you looked at all the shots that were done against him, you would have expected the opponents to score 159.67 goals. They scored 153. So his goal saved above expected was 6.7. Now, he played 62 games that year. Jonas Corposalo played 27 games that year. He let in 67 goals. The expected goals was 56.18. So he let in 10.8 goals more than he should have. So it's a negative 10.8 on his goals saved above expected. What that comes out to is when Bobrovsky would play, he would save 0.114 goals more per 60, meaning for any game he would play, he would save about a tenth of a goal more. Now I understand, you know, in a game, you can't save a tenth of a goal, but you talk about over the course of a season, that's what it comes out to, about a tenth of a goal per game he saves. Jonas, on the other hand, was negative .476, meaning for every game he played, he let in about half a goal more than you would expect. Again, obviously in one game, he can't let in half a goal more than you would expect, but it would be like in one game, you let in one you shouldn't, the next game you don't, so you've let in half per game. In 1920, both Merz Lincolns and Corpus and I'm going to go back to the per 60 number, because I think that's helpful in telling us per game how many they let in they shouldn't. Merz Lincoln's in 20 in 1920 played 32 games for the Blue Jackets. He let in he led in 0.07 more goals than than would be considered average. So less than a tenth of a goal per game. Meaning every, so if you think about it in terms of of an actual number over 10 games, he would let in one goal roughly that he shouldn't have. So that's not too bad. So you're getting at least average goaltending out of it. But again, this is against the, nor- the conventional wisdom that Blue Jackets fans have had, which is that our goaltending is the strength of this team. Jonas Corposalo last year, negative 0.206 expected goals per 60, meaning he let in 0.2 per game or about one bad goal every five games. Then you go to this year. Merz Lincolns in 22 games. Goals saved above expected per 60, negative 0.4. Corpusalo, negative 0.5. Meaning that both of them are running roughly one goal per every two games more than they should. It's not a good number. It's not a good number at all. To give you an idea of how that compares, if you compare it to all goalies who have started at least 10, who've played at least 10 games. The best number in the league this year is Andre Vasilevsky, who saved 24.4 goals above expected. And here's the thing. Th- this number, some people, it may, it may sound crazy to you, but when you start looking at who is at the top of this list, there's not a lot of flukes. Top is Andre Vasilevsky. Second is Conor Third is Marc-Andre Fleury. Then you get to Yusei Soros. If we're looking at goalies who have played at least 10 games, Jonas Corpusalo is third from the bottom only ahead of Carter Hart and Matt Murray. Elvis, uh, I mean, he's between Jonathan Quick and Mackenzie Blackwood, not guys who are known for lighting it up. So why are the Blue Jackets bad this year? They're not generating scoring chances at the rate they should, and they're letting in goals at a higher rate than they should. So it's not hard. They're, They're bad. They're just bad.
1: Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heyya, and previate, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places. Or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays, and we'll see you there, folks.
0: All right, getting back into the show this week. Um, so the story this week: uh, John Tortorella, Max Domi was benched for two straight games, and this was in response to in a series of games in a three in a in a, in three over three games. John Max Domi received two match penalties. Or two, not match penalties, but two 10-minute misconducts. Essentially, it's the kind of thing where you get mad, you throw a fit, maybe you start kind of a fight and there's not really a fight. You have 10 minutes where you can't play. Now, when it was announced that Domi was getting a scratch for the first game on that, I got it. Because you're trying to tell this guy, we want you to be a big part of this team, but you can't do that if you got to spend 10 minutes in the penalty box. If you gotta spend a sixth of the game in the penalty box, you're no good does. The second game he was sat out was strange to me. Because in my mind, you are trying to build something for next year. You're trying to get a sense of these guys. You're trying to figure out these guys that you need to move, or these guys that you need to you think can be part of this and build around. What are you doing? So that was strange. Then what made it more interesting? I listened to, and I would l- recommend everybody go and listen to this: uh, the Athletics uh, uh, Hockey Podcast. Their daily hockey, or not? I guess I guess no, their daily show. They do it I think two or three times a week. But their Wednesday episode this week had um, was done by um, uh, Pierre and Scott Burnside. They interview Yarmo, and Yar- this was really interesting stuff. If you're a Blue Jackets fan probably one of the more interesting things was him talking about, uh, his relationship with John Tortorella. And he actually even said on it, you know, with there's times we disagree. Like, like when he benched line a, I, you know, I kind of got it, but I didn't think the punishment fit the crime, so to speak. And, and I think, the thing about Yarmulkekekeleinen is Yarmulkekekeleinen never, tends to almost never take laundry public. Um, I think he values a sense of professionalism. And so it was interesting to hear him talk about it that way. And I wonder, I wonder if that's happened in this situation. I don't know. I, I think, I think it's part of the reason there was, a, apparently Darren Dreger said tonight on the NBC pregame show that there was a strong sense that Tortorella was done in Columbus, um, that he was just going to, you know, again, his contract's up. So it's not exactly being fired. It's just, they're not renewing him. They're going a different direction. And this all kind of ties back to what we've been seeing with the expected goals for and where the team is shooting. It doesn't feel like this team's being built for John Tortorella and his coaching style. Um, I mean, if you were building this team for John Tortorella's style... and you think of John Tortorella as your long-term guy, I don't know if you ever trade Josh Anderson for Max Domi, because I think Max Domi is a different kind of player than Josh Anderson. I'm not saying Josh Anderson's not great. I mean, Josh Anderson's a great player. I I just... John Tortorella wants those guys who are going to go in, hit people, and and when you're talking about what is being built up, and how am I getting guys like I mean, I know Patrick Laine was kind of you had to trade because you were losing Dubois. But then you talk about going out and, yeah, you know, getting a Max Domi, um, going for some of these smaller forwards like Roslovic, Texier. Not saying they can't play rough physical games, but just doesn't seem to be the fit that you would expect. Um, I really believe that there is this kind of divergence in the style Yarmo wants the team to go in and the style towards this comfortable coaching and John Tortorella is a good coach John Torell had a lot of success in the National Hockey League but I I don't know if John Tortorella has that skill that a lot of coaches do of I'm going to sit back I'm going to change up the system to fit the talent I have uh, I mean other than just saying okay go and attack or oh we're going to draw back and play defense I it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of adjustment there in what's going on um but yeah, it was a fascinating uh, discussion from from uh, Yarmo. The thing I would be, I was, I really found interesting was his kind of defense of the they asked because they asked him pretty directly about the whole idea that Columbus is a place guys want to leave, and his defense of it was kind of what we've we've talked about on this show, where each situation where a guy leaves is kind of its own thing. Um, Panarin, he, he Panarin just wanted to go to New York City. We know that's what it was. Bobrovsky, the blue jacks did not want to pay what broski wanted and he found someone who did want to pay it uh he said something about josh anderson i did wasn't aware of i thought that the problem with the josh anderson deal was the blue jacks wanted to go shorter term um but maybe it was that the blue jacks wanted to offer less money than what he ended up getting in in montreal and Yarmo even made the comment that with taxes he might have made more in columbus that he does in montreal i don't know There's interesting insight into what's going on. Uh, I think Yarmo really thinks he can reload this team, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, It'll be interesting to see what kind of deals he can pull off and what's going on. Last story for this week. Um, There was an interesting discussion here. Um, So Robin Lehner uh, in a press conference on Wednesday. I'm just going to read what he said. They told me yesterday that they're surveying all the teams to see who has taken the vaccine and who has not taken the vaccine. And they're not going to change the rules for us players until all the players have the vaccine at the same time. So it's not a competitive advantage, Leonard said in an impassioned impra- news conference Wednesday. That made me go crazy, to be honest. This is human lives, and people are struggling with this stuff a lot in society. And we are humans as everyone else. Shortly after his remarks, Leonard tweeted, As I'm frustrated, like a lot of people in the world right now, everything didn't come out of today's press in the right way. Main point is that we need to start and take the mental health. We need to start, take the mental health important as well in this situation. It has a huge impact on everyone in society. So apparently there was a a communication somewhere along the line. Apparently both basketball and and baseball have stated that when 85% of players and staff on a team are vaccinated, Uh, the league can start to ease restrictions when it comes to things like gatherings and frequency of testing. Lanier said he was told the NHL would adopt a similar policy. That was a lie, Lanier said, a blatant lie. Lanier said he spoke yesterday with NHLPA representatives who had been in communication with the NHL. The response came from Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. His quote, it's been a matter that's been raised and discussed as between us and the NHLPA, but no decision to modify has ever been made nor communicated to anyone. I wonder what happened here. Like, I totally understand Lander's point. I am someone as well where there was, you know, there there's certain levels you have of being able to kind of deal with this and cut yourself off from the world depending on how you feel about what's going on. And the thing that I think drove a lot of people to go for the vaccine is there's a sense of once you have the vaccine, there's this impetus that it's easier to return to normal. And I can understand why if that was the carrot in front of you. And then it seems like, nope, we're not doing that. There would be a sense of, of betrayal and anger. I think there is an understandability to the fact that the NHL is in a different situation than ever in the league. But because, I mean, you have a full seven teams in Canada where those guys are not getting the vaccine the way it's happening in the state. Because in the states at this point, if you want the vaccine... I mean, some places it's a little harder to get appointments, but I mean, you can just about sign up and I tell everyone to go do it, go sign up, go get the vaccine. I got both shots, uh, Pfizer, um, my wife got the Johnson and Johnson. We're good. I'm, i I, you know, uh, each one of us had a little bit of a side effect that the way I described it was, uh, the day after the second, jo- uh, second Pfizer dose felt kind of like a, a medium to stronger hangover kind of thing for about first half of the day. But after that I was fine. So I'd recommend everyone go do it, but uh, the NHL is in a weird situation here. Now, the reason I would think the NHL could relax a lot of this is that granted, I could see the point of saying, well, if we let this team have, you know, go out and have looser restrictions, does that give them a competitive advantage over a team that doesn't? Well, here's the thing. Robin Leonard plays for the Vegas Golden Knights the earliest the golden knights could play anyone from the canadian division would be in the third round of the playoffs because of the way the league is structured this year these teams aren't playing each other week to week or day to day so to not to, to for that to be the reasoning unless the deal you want to work out with the pa is that you know once you get to the second round of the playoffs you go back into the same kind of lockdown that the canadian teams have to do so then you have the competitive advantage held in or something. I don't get it. I mean, it feels, maybe it feels like the NHL thought they should have it, like the players thought there should be a plan and there wasn't one. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, folks, uh, we got a few games left. I'm not even going over which ones are which because at this point, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, expect to start talking more draft and off season here soon. But thank you very much for watching uh please subscribe to the show comment and share and all that good stuff thank you very much and go jackets please subscribe to the show follow us on twitter at jackets debrief and thank you for listening